What? What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. <laughs> are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic, you oh. know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. <laughs> Why can't I be normal? Yes, me too. I want to be normal. Normal! I'm really going to do something about my life, you know? George, I am really going to make some changes. Yes, changes. I'm serious about it. You think I'm not? I'm not kidding. Me too. We're not men. We're not men. <laughs> Welcome to the Menthology Show, Manhood. Let's find it together. In today's inaugural episode, we discuss breakfast cereal, recent movies, the end of an era, and some sage advice on controlling time, time control. Uh, Josh, Derek, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, Blake, how are you, Josh? It's wonderful to be here, gentlemen. We made yeah, it. I'm very excited. Yeah, we made it. This is, uh, this is exciting. We launched a we Patreon. And uh, here we are. Very excited. I don't know what to do with my hands, but I'm very excited. <laughs> they're just they're disembodied. Are they just sitting? Just gotta keep the, just gotta keep them on the desk. I don't know if I should be clapping. Palms down, gentlemen. Palms, Palms down. down. <laughs> well, we're excited. We're excited for uh, the the eight listeners, the many of which are patrons, is joining this episode. It's going to be a slow roll out of the gate. It seems like, but we are um, honored and humbled by your early support before we even launched a show and we're excited to to yeah to grow together figure out where this is going to head what where it's, what it's going to look like uh, but we have a great show today for you and our top story this week josh and derek is a uh, something very very controversial if you will mm. it's very uh, oh. this is this may be bigger than uh you know this year's um u.s presidential election of course i'm talking about uh Breakfast cereal is on the decline, fellas. Oh, jeez. You have to start with that. Right out of the gate, huh? Like right out of the gate, we're just going to get Derek all hot and bothered. That's what Champs. we're going <laughs> So, yeah. So, so, Derek, Josh, I read a recent report that, that showed just how bad things are for General Mills and company. Um, the kids these days, they're just not eating the cold milk and uh, the sugary cereals. <sighs> Well, well, I can't say I'm surprised, but Derek, I know this is this is a topic that's near and dear to your heart, so I will clear the floor for you. So angry with both of you right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know what? First off, Blake, maybe they would eat them if people like you wouldn't describe it as sugary cereal. I got news for you. I'm looking at a box of apple cinnamon Cheerios right now. You know how much cereals in this entire box, Blake? I, I don't know. <laughs> Ten grams. Do you know what 10 grams is? 10 grams is like nothing. It's like sales tax. You don't even know it's there. You just eat it. And then you know what sales tax does? It makes things work. You know, that's how things run. So your, your body runs on sales tax. Yes. Sugar saying. is the sales tax of the body. You need it. People but, don't like it. Derek, you so need- you really eat sugary cereals in the morning? Like for breakfast? That's how dare you. Not only do I eat them in the morning. To the extent that I'm awake in the morning. But I also eat them at night. That's uh, my favorite time to eat cereals. Let's put some numbers to this. How many? How much are we talking a week? 
How many bowls of cereal? Generally, or how many boxes of cereal? Well, that you know, that's hard to say. We could be here all day throwing numbers and math. That's for geeks. I don't have time for that. But what I'm telling you is that, you know, hey, listen, I'll have one every night before bed. Uh, sometimes when I am awake in the morning, I'll, I'll have one of those too. Sometimes I have a nutty bar for breakfast in the, in the morning. See, so even uh, you don't break from the breakfast cereal in the morning. Even you are contributing to the decline. Like that's only because my, I usually don't wake up till noon, and by that time I'm ready for lunch. I, I okay. go straight. Right. Usually I skip breakfast and go straight to lunch. But it's really bothersome. This I, I don't understand why cereals has become the scapegoat of a society that doesn't know what to do with itself anymore. It really does bother me. I don't know, Derek. I, I'm kind of. I don't think sugar's the villain here. I like sugar. I don't relate to these people that are like, ah, sugar's just straight poison. I think it's delicious. I think it makes life sweeter. But I don't think we should be eating it for breakfast in big quantities. Quantities. Like nutritionists say you want, you know, fruit and some oats or something, you know, healthy, some protein. I mean, that's all that. Well, cereal, Blake, as you well know, is part of a balanced breakfast. It doesn't say it's the whole balanced breakfast. You put some strawberry slices in your Cheerios. You just said What's that there's the 10 grams of nothing. Like, there's, that's like no part of a balance. <laughs> like, it's just... that, uh, 10 grams of sugar is nothing. Is my, that's the whole point. There's, no, there's not enough sugar to have any appreciable effect on you other than to make you happy. What's wrong with being happy? Well, I, think, I think 30 grams a day is, is, is sort of the... Uh, what's well, call it? Limit. Yeah, there's somewhere somewhere around that. Maybe it's thirty to fifty or something. Okay. So, if you're knocking out ten first thing in the morning, I mean, and I, well, I mean, far be it for me, but I'm just saying, if I wake up in the morning and I eat a big old bowl of cereal, I might as well go ahead and put on sweatpants and go back to bed because my day is shot. Well, that oh yeah, guys, we can we can sit here and argue about breakfast cereal all day, but I got one question for you. What did the Marlboro Man eat for breakfast? Oh, yeah. Well, just uh, well. cigarettes. He just chewed on cigarettes. Yeah. cigarette butts <laughs> with milk, obviously. But milk. And black coffee. I mean, yeah, the two go hand in hand. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't for I, I yeah I, I don't think this is that big of a deal. I, I think good for you, Team Human. We, we're moving towards a more nutritious breakfast. However, Derek, I wouldn't think that. This isn't an attack on what is seemingly your favorite treat at all hours of the day. It's just, I think people are like, no, we want to, we want to start the day off with something more, more nutritious and maybe breakfast here can stay as a treat, a midnight See, here, treat. I, my thing is, this isn't, a, this isn't, look, this isn't about sugar. This isn't about me. This is bigger than me, and I appreciate that and understand that. What this is about is the freaking millennials. And it's about 2016. I just read – there's a story published in uh, Fortune.com that said that according to the New York Times, they did a survey. 40% of millennials said that they don't eat cereal not because of the sugar, not because of their you – know, not because it doesn't have kale or the gluten or whatever they're upset about these days. They don't eat cereal because this is, a, this is honestly what they said. It's too inconvenient to consume. It requires uh, cleanup after eating. I mean, uh, what? the bowl – the, the spoon, bo- the milk. Oh, there's so many steps. You you so drink the steps. milk when you're done with the cereal. There's literally no cleanup involved. You rinse the bowl. What are you eating for breakfast that you don't have to rinse the bowl? That's what I want to know. Derek, how about this? 
Let's take this offline. You write a 5,000 word report <laughs> on Breakfast Zero and you send it to our patrons, okay? The, the, you know the ones at that reward level. Can, you, can we do that? Here's the thing I could go on about this for days, but you're right. That's what we have other business to attend to. If you'd like to hear me wax poetic about the significance of Breakfast Cereal, not only on me, but on American culture and why it's an integral, it's a pillar of, of what, what remains of American culture. <laughs> We have, yeah, our patrons will, will get that in the newsletter for sure. Be advised. The, de- the Decline of Civilization Part 3. <laughs> yep. Okay, yep. fellas, um, so, I mean, Star Wars this week was just re-released on Blu-ray and digital. Uh, if for, for, you know, for those who haven't, I, I don't know, already got it or seen it. Well, you know, it's, it's fun. It's, so it's here. I, we certainly bought it. I'm one of those crazy guys that still buys Blu-rays of my favorite stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm weird like that. Physical media. Yeah. I mean, not always. I'm, like, I, I rent a lot of stuff on Amazon, stream stuff on Netflix. Um, but yeah, some, I think some of the, like, the bigger stuff like this, I'm all, I'm all for snagging a copy and enjoying it. Sure. Um, yeah. But this, you know... It just gives us another cycle here that we can discuss Star Wars. You know, it came out in December. Uh, what did you guys, you know, real briefly, we want to rehash. This, we, we've, a lot of people have already discussed, dissected this movie. But what did you think of the movie, gentlemen? I thought, uh, and I think I'm in the minority here, I thought it was the best one of the series. Holy Boom. Holy. Yes. Wow. That just happened. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's definitely one of my top three Star Wars movies. I think it was great. I put it uh, uh, out of the seven. I think Four. it. Get, I think it gets. Yeah, I think it's in a tie with Revenge of the Sith. Hmm. That's where I'd put it. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just went right. there. So, I just went this there. is intriguing to me. So, what? What exactly didn't you like uh, about the new Star Wars? Uh. Okay. There's a lot. Well. Okay. I didn't like the uh, the constant parading of cameos. Like the whole point of a cameo is like a throwback, but when Hans, which whom I love, is playing a central role, uh, you know, I, and frankly, I like Finn and Ray a lot better. I think they were the stars of the show, but they kind of had to share screen time with an aging Harrison Ford, which again, I do love, but I didn't want to see him play this pivotal role. I mean, he's a he's a has been. He saved the day before, and now he's saving it again. And oh, by the way, he he owes creditors again. Like he wasn't a war hero, and like he's not the best with his finances, guys. We <laughs> I mean, know this. I mean, but then, he did have to come along to bridge the gap. And then thirty yeah. years later, thirty years later, Princess Leia is still a freaking pivotal, an active general in the in the what is now the if not the rebellion, what is it called now? Oh. The uh, the resistance. Yeah. Well, they're resisting. They're in power. They won, and apparently they're resisting this insurgent order called for. Oh, there's a lot convoluted. I all right. That said, hold on. No, 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 no. Let me just let me finish real quick, and I'll give you the conch. Um, I, I, I liked it. I, I so I think Revenge of the Sith is a four star movie. So I'm putting this. It this touches four stars. I would say Empire Strikes Back is clearly a five-star movie, and Star Wars and Return of the Jedi are probably in between four to four and a half. That's how I rate them. 
Okay, so the th- oh boy, the thing is, I I don't think that Han Solo is central to the movie, except in that he gets over Kylo Ren as the biggest villain ever. Like I, I think he's only there, and and you even said that Finn and Rey are the stars of the show, so they. I don't. I don't think Harrison Ford took away from the young stars. I think he made the young stars. Like when he offers Ray a job, it's like, well, she must be the real deal if Han Solo wants to hire her. And and uh, you know when when yeah. you know when he dies, you want so you want you want retribution for that, and that's all on the villain. You know, so I think him being there and Leia being there, and then the end uh, with uh, with Luke there, like. I don't know. I think it, it what it did was it supplemented the new people and it, it it reminded you of what you love about Star Wars and it was a passing of the torch. It was leg that. humping. That was straight leg humping for fans. But it worked. Let's say let's say it was leg humping, which I agree to an extent. But it still worked. I mean no, it was okay, thirty that, years. Yeah, there was that, thirty years since the last one, and even if it was rehashed, like it still plays. It okay, still I still thought it was great. I would I concede that, Josh. I would say this is a satisfying movie. I do not think it's a great movie, and I make that distinction. There are a lot of movies out there that are satisfying, but not necessarily great or remarkable. And I don't think you know what. You're, I think I agree with you in this, in that you know I, I kind of relate it to like music. And sometimes there's a band that's been around for a long time, and uh, you know when they try new things, people don't like it. You know when when they veer away from the classic sound or whatever, people get mad. So then usually later in their career, I'll look at a band like Metallica after they kind of experiment, then they kind of come back to the old stuff. And all it really is is it's revisiting the past. In a lot of ways, it's structurally similar. It's similar riffs. Okay. But people love it because it reminds them of the old stuff, and it's them doing what they do well. To me, the new Star Wars is a lot like that. It's not as groundbreaking or inventive right. as the first one, as the, as the original movies. But it hits the same beats. And it's, um, I mean, and, and I think the movie even acknowledges that. There's a great scene where Harrison Ford, they're like planning the attack on the new Death Star. Right, right. And they're like, well, it's the same as before, only bigger. But there's got to be a way to blow it up because that's how these things work. I mean, that's right. almost literally the dialogue. But, and you know, it's just, yeah, you know, I, I get you, Derek. But I, I really think had Abrams and Disney just focus on Finn, Ray, and the other pilot dude. That, what's that guy's name? The new dude. Oh, Poe. Poe. Oh, Poe. If yeah. you just follow those three... I think it would have been a great movie. And in fact, those scenes with those people only and Ren, I think, um, I think they were the most fist pumping scenes. Like when Finn was like, did you see that? That was awesome. (laughs) Like I was all stoked. And then it's like, nice shot, man. And then like, yeah, those were the funnest parts. My last critique too is I don't like how Kylo Ren has this killer mask. He sounds way better than old Baney did from – you know, Dark Knight Returns. He he sounded awesome, like this oh, computer. Yes, yeah. he sounded awesome. But then by the end of the show, he's taking off his hat like it's a like it's a freaking um, you know fake mustache. Like convenient. Oh, it's, like, uh. it's so hot though. Those masks. Oh, I okay. mean, I don't know if you guys have ever worn one. They're so hot. I, I, uh, well, okay. So enough of Star Wars. What are what are some of the best? recently released movies or what are some of your favorites in the last either this year or you know just recent movies what what makes your what's what's at the top of your fellas list well you know speaking of star wars it came out around the same time that another great movie came out in theaters that i went to go see and that was creed did you guys see creed i did yeah creed was good I so I'd be Creed was better than Star Wars and I'm just a better sequel I would say wow yeah, I just went really there. yeah 
I think it's a better sequel. I think that bridges. I think that bridges the past and the present and the, with the future better than than the Force Awakens. You know what? I, I can see all, that. all of the critiques for Star Wars. I would apply to Creed. Ah. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was similar. Yeah, it was just it was just weak in spots. I mean, it was good. It was it was definitely good. But yeah, your critiques of Star Wars are what I would sort of apply to. Yeah, to but Creed. Josh Creed didn't say didn't do the tie-in relationship twist where one's on the opposite side of the force as the other. Again, we did that again. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the analogy only goes so far, I guess. But it's still to me, it was just. Uh, it was good, but it was it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was the better sequel. What, what have you liked then since? Or, you know, I'll tell you what I haven't liked, and I don't know if we've got the next three hours to talk about it or not. But this freaking Batman versus Superman, I finally, <laughs> finally, and I mean, you guys know I'm a huge, huge Batman fan, so I had to go see this despite all of the bad, horrible press and reviews. Uh, it wasn't as bad as I kind of thought it was going to be, but it was pretty friggin' horrible. I mean, it was, they are not doing those characters any justice at all. And I don't like the way Zack Snyder is heading this franchise, and we got at least two more films of it to come. Oh, so it's and, a trilogy. Well, he signed oh. on to do, uh, <laughs> yeah, ugh, gross. I think he signed on to do the two Justice League movie, movies, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I steered, I steered clear of that one, Josh. I saw the, the Rotten Tomatoes were just stinking a mess. I know. So I, 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 steered I, had to. I didn't, It was Batman. I had to go see whatever they were giving me. Um, man, I took my wife, and she is such a trooper. She just sat there for almost three hours. <laughs> and I couldn't blame her. I really couldn't blame her. But, um, yeah, it was, it was horrible. Not good. I, I, when, when they announced it, I immediately – like, I know they're – and all this bad press it's gotten. I've seen some people that are like surprised. I I thought it would be, I thought this would happen when they announce a movie called Batman versus Superman. It's like yeah. the most arbitrary mashup, and it's just it. The title and the concept sound just as thoughtless as the movie apparently turned out to be. Like it just seems like an excuse to have some fights on screen. Like I I don't know. It just and especially coming off of the the Dark Knight trilogy, which were so right. serious. And arguably, right, you know, now you're just going to put, you're just going to throw Batman in with Superman. Oh, and by the way, it's Ben Affleck. It's pandering. That's all it is. It's just. Let me say this. Ben Affleck was not the worst part of that movie. In fact, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, it's sort of from a timeline standpoint, it's, it's not far off from, you know, uh, Nolan's trilogy. So it's the old aged you know, curmudgeon Batman, which he, I thought he actually did a pretty decent job with, all things considered. He was not the worst part of that movie by any means. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just disappointing to see my childhood get uh, <laughs> taken out like that. Defecated upon. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Real quick, Derek, did you have a favorite movie then, recent movie that, that uh, the listeners should, should consider if they haven't seen it already? Well, I mean, speaking of superheroes, the last movie I saw in theaters was Deadpool. And it was the it was the opposite of Batman versus Superman. It was awesome. It was everything I wanted uh, that movie to be, and it was surprisingly um, I don't know. Like it, I thought it would just kind of be shtick and comedy and silly, but it was actually a really good movie that also happened to be shtick and comedy and silly. 
And I can't recommend that enough. That was awesome. Hmm. Yeah, I want to see it. I've heard nothing but good things about it. <clears throat> yeah, I've heard mixed reviews on that one, D. Just no, I, I thought it was so much fun. Just I think I think the big critique is, you know, do we want our superheroes to be this mature themed content? Is what I see what it seems to be the big critique. Rather than this accessible general audience, everyone can. But I mean, I think that's the the whole comedy of it is that is that juxtaposition yeah. of stereotypical thing for teenage boys and young boys is the superhero, but this one is just a totally depraved, you know. And right. you know what? The, I think people can relate to Deadpool. He's just this foul mouthed kind of a prick who loves superheroes, and you know, I don't know. I, I the fact that the the theater was packed for Deadpool. Um, and, and the fact that it made, it broke records in its opening weekend, um, for superhero movies. I I think, I don't know, people can complain and be the moral police all they want, but the proof is in the pudding that, you know, it made a lot of money and it's resonating with people and, and it's rated R. So you shouldn't be taking like these parents who are like, I can't believe I took what the movie's rated R like do some parenting before you, you, (laughs) if if you do, if you do want a wholesome movie recommendation, I highly recommend The Hateful Eight. Oh, something for the whole family. Yeah, you know, there's no hard scenes to no, watch in that movie either. Yeah, there's the no hard scenes it. to watch in that movie either, no. Josh. It's just... Uh, is, that the, is that the new Pixar movie? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> no, my three-year-old really... girl walks around <laughs> quoting it, and she just loved it. <laughs> I actually, I really like that movie. I think it's one of Tarantino's best and as he often does there are just some really uncomfortable scenes but he's so good at, at what he does so that that would make uh, i think that would make my list um yeah. well you know we talked we, we just touched on it briefly gentlemen but uh we wanted to discuss a, have a quick talking point here on online reviews do you consult them before buying or watching or doing or eating something uh, yeah, I do definitely for for purchases for for buying stuff. Um, really, except big on theater the... tickets to Batman versus Superman. <laughs> uh, that I didn't have a choice. Again, it was okay. Batman. I had to. Yeah, you were obligated. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was an obligation. Uh, yeah, but definitely like Amazon reviews. I definitely weigh those into consideration. Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. I'm kind of, I guess, a little more lenient or uh, willing to take a risk. Uh, but yeah, I guess so. I guess to a point. I mean, I, I'm glad people do pay attention to them because I—that's how I made money for the last like eight years. <laughs> so I'm glad. I'm glad people, you know, do pay attention to reviews. But I personally don't really care. I, I the, the one exception I make is for um for food for okay. restaurants. Uh, if a restaurant yeah. gets really bad reviews, I'll I'll, I'll tend to steer away right. from it. See, or I, if something gets rave reviews, I'll definitely check it out. I've got it bad, like. I've like I really feel like online reviews have really helped my life and like steered me away from buyer's remorse and really led me to good things. But I'm so dependent on them. I think it's become kind of a crutch <laughs> for me where I'm like like you know the spontaneous kind of I was like, "Wait, you want to go check this out?" And I'm like, "Well, let me just try to see well, see what the world cookie. says." Yeah, that's, that's what it's like. So I admittedly it's very pansy, it's very I you know, unmanly. That's probably sexist, but there's probably some truth to that. You know, but, um, no, but it, it's it's an amazing thing that we can hold up a device in our pocket and get instant feedback from the entire world about every restaurant on the street you're currently on. I mean, it's it's pretty 
it's pretty amazing when technology does stuff like that. I kind of geek out over it too. That's, no, that's so, pretty so, yeah, awesome. I, I like it, but the, you know, if so, if you get the right sample size, I remember my Mister Statistician in college taught me anything above like two hundred fifty. And if you know there's like no foul play or if the the bell curve looks right. pretty even, you can really rely on that data that you're just going to match up with your taste. Unless you know you have very eclectic taste, so you obviously got to weight, right. you know, online reviews with your individual taste. But there is something. And I'm planning a store on this at some point where um, are you dealing with the latest reviews? You know, because sometimes, you know, reviews have been out now for over a decade. And so a store could get poor reviews up their game, but it takes a long time for those reviews to shift and and reflect the positive changes they've made on their products or on their food or restaurants or whatever. So the only one I know that does this and I consult this is the app store where it has you know it has all versions and then the latest version. I think that's a really helpful metric in trying to yeah. gauge them. Yeah. Especially when like products are evolving now. Like when I when I was reviewing video games, it was it got hard at the end to review them because I would review them and then the next week there'd be this major update that changes the entire game and now all of a sudden everything I said in the review just last week is invalid because they yeah. fixed. Yeah. So yeah, you, you, it's it's really I don't know because things that we seek input on, especially entertainment, is like I don't know it's it's evolving applications, games, it changes and they can update all the time. Yeah, it makes getting the most current information kind of difficult sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, let, if any of the listeners out there, if you guys, if, do you do you consult online <clears> before <throat> you buy, watch, or do something, eat something? Uh, let us know. Either uh, you know you can tweet us at Manthology Show. Or send us an email, men at manthologyshow.com, and we'll, uh, we'll read it on an upcoming show. Um, or even better, uh, give us a review on iTunes, huh? Little, there you little, go. Little, little there you there. go. What a tie-in. What is a tie-in? You, it's almost like you practiced that, Joshua. Well, it's, I've been in broadcasting for 30 years now. So. <laughs> okay, uh, real quick, you know, fellas, we've been in this, uh, for any of the gamers out there, we've been in this eighth or seventh or ninth console generation, you know, for a good three years now. Um, hasn't been that favorable to the Nintendo folk, but the PlayStation wah, wah. 4, wah, yeah, no. Great games, I hear. I, I, I don't play the Wii U. I've heard really good stuff about a lot of the games, but it just hasn't really caught on. And then, of course, you got the PS4 seems to be winning the old console war, and then Xbox kind of somewhere in between, I guess, because that, that was pretty expensive and... I don't know. I, I didn't get Xbox One. Did any? Did either of you get that? No. No, I didn't. Blew over your head, I, right? I mean, it just okay. I have a Wii U, and that's it from the current. I got a uh, I got a PS4, a quadruple, but it's mostly my Blu-ray machine, and you know, yep. sometimes I'll play a, a game or two. But yeah, I don't, anyway, I, I it, my detachment to console games aside. The 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 Xbox Microsoft quit making the Xbox 360 this week, I guess they announced. Yeah. Yeah, it's the end of an era. Just, officially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, officially now. It's done. All right. So where do you, where do you, you know we're Nintendo's supposed to unveil their new console um, this uh, June, I guess, at E3. The we don't know yeah. really anything about it, so that's kind of fun. It's going to be all surprising, but. What do you guys think right now? I mean, I, I, if I do game, it's, it, it's going to be more on a, my phone. I, there's no, there's no yeah. way around it. At least for me, I, I, I don't know. 
I still want to get a Wii U or, or the upcoming Nintendo console just because there's some titles on there that I just really love and, and want to play. The whole 360, though, it doesn't affect me. I never got it. I was always always a PlayStation man, so... <clears throat> Yeah, good riddance, I say. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're gonna get some hate mail for that. Gosh. That's fine. Yeah. It'll be all right. Yeah. That's, there, it's weird. The, the 360. It, it, that was such an iconic console here in the states. Like, I, I feel like the Xbox 360 was really. It, it was synonymous with video games last generation in the same way that the NES was yeah, years ago. I would agree with you that. Know, back, Back yeah. then, you wouldn't say I'm going to play video games. You'd say I'm going to play Nintendo. Yeah. And you know, eight years ago. That it was that way with the Xbox 360. You know, my little brother would say, "I'm playing video games." What he really meant was he was playing Xbox. Xbox. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, you know, it was a really iconic console, and to see it go, um, reach the reach the end of its run, it actually had a really long run, um, and a much more successful run than really any of the current consoles. Which I, I think we're kind of transitioning into a post console era. And you know, you, you mentioned the PS4. It's it's kind of leading this generation, but it's only got like less than 40 million sales yeah yeah the, the thing that i saw is like i mean depending the numbers aren't official because none of the they all <coughs> private now because they're all so insecure just kidding um well there's some truth to that but no uh, they really are they absolutely yeah are. yeah so but the what i mean basically it's still a sizable market you're talking tens and tens and tens almost right. 100 million people but that said it has contracted anywhere i've seen anywhere from like you know, 30 to 45 percent. That, that's sizable. You know, that's very. Yeah. And you got to admit that it would seem that, you know, the old smartphone gaming is uh, probably to blame for much of that because we're, I think we're all still oh, gaming yeah. and there's more gamers now than ever before. And it's not as it's not as taboo as it once was, you know, to be. But you know what? It's I think it's a lot of things, though, like it's smartphones, but it's also, you know, we have more entertainment options than ever before. You know, like in the 80s, you'd get home from school in the 90s, you'd play Super Nintendo. But now there's a million different things you can do. And um, and also, I, th- I feel like people have shorter attention spans than ever before. And yet gaming's answer is to get the games are bigger and more involved than ever before. Yeah. So they require more of an investment on your part um, than, than really ever yeah. before. Totally, so it's it's, totally it's too much of a hassle. I mean, I when I played video games the most, it was because I wanted to escape from responsibilities. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> You know, now games have become a responsibility when you play them. They're just so involved. And, I, you know, true. who has time for that? Who, who, Derek, I I am, I'm bringing up the mind-blown gif right now as you just said that. Like, <laughs> it's become a responsibility. Jeez, man. That's true. Deep Thoughts so true. by Derek Buck here on the yeah. Anthology Show. Wow. And you know what? I don't think we're not alone either. We just mentioned the PS4 is leading this generation. But it's also leading this generation with half the sales – of any of the consoles from last generation, yeah. you know, like, so I, it just seems like th- this is kind of where things are headed and, and the really passionate, it's interesting because although the, the market's shrinking, it also seems like it's becoming more passionate. It's, well, I, the, yeah, demographics definitely play into it. I mean, I wonder if those sales from the PS4 are just people from our generation for the most part, yeah. you know, yes. like I wonder how many <clears throat> millennials or, or whatever are, are purchasing new consoles. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I tend to think I have a theory that at its peak, and I don't know why, but I think late teens and twenty somethings, on the whole, consume more like dedicated video games than any other. 
I'm not I'm not trying to exclude other sec you know the other the opposite sex or different age groups because I know games transcend all generations but it seems like the most passionate group occurs you know late teens early 20s when maybe our hunter gatherer go hunt, fight and kill is at its peak <laughs> I don't know that it seems to yeah. be that way I don't know whereas as you kind of mellow out if you if you're in your 30s and 40s you kind of mellow out I, I tend to I I mean the one thing that's interesting about games is it's one of the few things, well, next to music, where I think people do lose interest over time, and yet movies and books are, are just, they keep going forever. They don't seem to lose interest, and I, I'm, I've always been fascinated by that, by that difference, how these you know, two popular mediums can dwindle you know, in the golden years, whereas two others, books and movies, can just continue to thrive. It's really interesting that physical media is having such a hard time, and yet books kind of, you know, I mean, they're not, I'm sure they're not, I don't have any sales data to back this up, but anecdotally, it just seems like I see a lot more people with books than I do in the record store, so. Yeah, that's true. Huh. Well, gentlemen, that, that was, uh, I, I'm, we, we we're kind of drawn to a close here, but we wanted to end on, you know, a deep thought. We mentioned a deep thought earlier. Derek blew our minds a few moments ago. And, uh, that's, what I, that's what I do. So, but, you know, we want to have fun in this show. Uh, I really like, you know, the, the tagline that Derek came up with, manhood, let's find it together. And we want to have fun. We want to explore, you know, blasts from the past and kind of how, uh, this isn't necessarily a self-improvement show, but we wanted to look at it from a, all of us feel inadequate in different ways. But we also want to feel, I think, empowered as men. And, uh, or, you know, not that we have a problem with that, like, you know, we still run the show, unfortunately, and, you know, for our daughters and wives yeah, and everything. But, for you know, now. Yeah, but that's changing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's changing. But nevertheless, we want to be better men than we can be. And I think a big part of that is, uh, you know, Derek, you mentioned there's, we're more distracted. So, yeah. How do we how do we control that? How do you how do you stay on target? Is it manly to stay on target? I'm really bad at it. I'm like the last person you should ask about staying time management and life management. I mean, I eat cereal at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> we won't judge. We won't judge. We won't judge. No, Josh, what what about you? Like what how do you is is uh is that a noble pursuit to stay focused? Uh, yeah, well, managing your environment, managing your responsibilities and priorities is, is definitely, you know, something that's critical and it's a, it's a learned skill, or at least for me, I'm still learning how to, (laughs) how to do it better. Uh, but yeah, I think one thing that is key, especially for me over the last few years is putting in good practices to manage my time, which helps me manage my priorities, which helps me say no to some things and say yes to some things. So Yeah. I mean, it's all part of trying to live balanced and trying to become a man. Which brings well, that's a, us. That's a, that's a big one, isn't it? Is. Learning well, to say no. Yeah, learning well, to say no to people. Yeah. yeah, learning to say no. And that brings us to our parting shot brought to you by Hiram Smith, author of 10 Natural Laws of Successful Time Management. He said, quote, you control your life by controlling your time. So you got to be pretty selfish with, um, not yeah. just selfish with your calendar, but also you have to plan for things that might fall to the wayside. So like you got to include the quality time block for the kids rather than just say you want quality time. You got to include yeah. helping your kid learn how to throw a football or helping your daughter, you know, with a problem she's having at school, drama or whatever. You got to 
you got to include that stuff on your calendar and by and that's how you control your life so that's the parting shot by Hiram Smith fellas we've reached the very end. well said yeah yeah we've uh, yeah well said We've reached the end of this inaugural show. Uh, Josh, will you tell them how they can participate uh, moving forward? Most certainly. If you like what, you, what, what, we're, what we're doing, what you've heard, which I know you do, <laughs> visit ManthologyShow.com to support us and become a patron. You can also follow us on Twitter at ManthologyShow, or you can email us at men at ManthologyShow.com. Thanks, Josh. For Josh and Derek, I'm Blake. Uh, wishing all of you an awesome and very triumphant week. We hope to catch you here right uh, on this show next week. Same podcast time, same podcast channel. <laughs> Until then, so long. Here they come again, here they come again